we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. In this episode, our consultants talk about the inspection process and how to use it to increase your ARO. Here's a little of what's coming up. He'd never made enough money to be able to pay guys, you know, and keep quality technician. Cars aren't getting inspected like they should. There's missed maintenance, missed repairs that need to be done. Document everything, right? Then we need to prioritize those things and we need to present it to them. There's a lot of fear in this industry, I think. There's fear that if I find a lot of work and I tell the customer about that work, that I'm gonna have customers not like me. I'm gonna have people not like me and I'm afraid of that. For a better business, a better life, a better industry, the Institute's Leading Edge. All right, welcome to uh, The Leading Edge, episode three, sponsored by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Uh, today's uh, topic, uh, there, are, there, are, there are really two topics that we would like to discuss today. Now, if you're live with us, um, what we would like you to do is ask whatever questions that you would like to ask. Uh, uh, you can do that on Facebook or you can do that here uh, um, uh, through the event that we're doing. Uh, and we'd love to answer those questions. So uh, we'll be uh, paying attention to that and, uh, and uh, doing our best to get those questions answered for you. So our two topics that we, we're starting out with today, inspections, uh, you know, are they important? What is the importance of the inspection? And, uh, and also kind of increasing average repair order. Um, so my, my first question is, uh, uh, is average repair order an important number, and uh, I'm going to make it a multi-part question. Does it matter what your average repair order is? Uh, you know, there's this um, this idea that it doesn't matter how many dollars. It doesn't matter how many cars I work on. If I have a $200 average repair order, uh, um, then I need uh, I don't know 2,000 cars. If I have a 400 average repair order, I need 1,000 cars. If I have an $800 average repair order, then I need um, um, 250 cars. Um, does it matter what your average repair order is uh, uh, in your business? Um, uh, uh, Patrick, you're at your shop, uh, running your shop today. What Does it matter? Does average repair order matter to you? Well, it matters to me. Um, you know, it was funny. I was just talking to another shop owner last night, and uh, he runs, you know, 25 cars a day through his shop, but his average repair order is $250. And uh, I asked him, I, I, you know, I, I, we both obviously run different models, but uh, uh, for me, I'd rather have a higher average repair order, uh, less cars, it's, it's less liability, uh, less stress on the guys, less racking and unracking cars. Uh, I mean, to me, it just makes sense. Okay. Um, I, I talk about this, uh, this idea that, uh, uh, brown bananas uh, in your business. Um, uh, at the grocery store, they buy bananas. Some of them turn brown. They got to throw them away, and uh, those bananas get paid for by the uh, uh, the customers because they pay more for the green bananas uh, and the yellow bananas. Um, if I have more cars in my shop, in my opinion, I have a lot more brown bananas. Things that I can't pay for. A lot more test drives. A lot more paperwork, uh, etc. And, and, and I'm going to, I'll go one kind of one step further here because I think this is probably the more important uh, uh, piece of this, at, at least to me. I think that I have a job to do and that my job is to make sure that that car is taken care of. 
Um, and you know, if it needs $200 worth of work, then $200 worth of work is what I should sell. Uh, if it needs $2,000 worth of work, then 2000 is what I should sell. And if it needs 10,000, then 10,000 is what I should sell. Um, then I have a second piece to that. And that is that my company has to make a certain gross profit or I don't get to pay the bills. So um, uh, I'm going to ask the question again, uh, uh, and this time I'm going to I'm going to uh, go over to Scott. Scott, does average repair order matter in a shop? And if it does, why does it matter? Well, Cecil, it matters uh, in in the sense that we know through experience and the inspections of the vehicles that we're doing that the cars aren't getting inspected like they should. There's missed maintenance, missed repairs that need to be done. Um, and, and is it a service to the customer to just have that car come in for what they say they think the problem is and not tell them about the rest of the uh, work that could be done? Um, it creates work in the shop. It creates uh, more money for your technicians. But the key thing is, is that your customer is going to get the car taken care of and know everything that they need to know about the car. Um, that will raise the average repair order. Okay. Um, I forgot to do something, even though uh, I got my list from Kent, and that is I forgot to introduce uh, uh, people on the panel today. I think, Scott, you're new to the panel, so um, I'll start by introducing uh, Scott Caster. Scott is relatively new to the Institute. Scott uh, owned a shop in Sacramento, uh, sold that shop. Uh, how long has it been since you owned the shop? A couple years now? Uh, it was January of 2017 when it closed. Uh, okay. The owner took over. When you when you closed the deal, not the shop. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Scott uh, took about a year off, and now he's uh, he's working with us at the institute. Very successful. And uh, how long ago was it that you and I met, Scott? Uh, it was at least 10 years ago, Cecil. You had walked okay. into the shop and uh, introduced yourself, and uh, it was uh, something I remembered. Okay. Um, uh, uh, we have Patrick. Uh, Patrick is, has been on all three of our, our episodes now uh, so far. Patrick uh, has a shop in Brea, uh, uh, California, that he recently purchased. Uh, was that January that you bought the shop? Uh, February, yeah. February. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, how are we doing there? We doing okay? <laughs> yeah, we're doing, uh, uh, we're doing excellent. Uh, we've doubled the revenue uh, with the same car count uh, okay. that the uh, last owner was doing. And why did the, eh, maybe this is the wrong place to ask it, but why did the, why did the previous owner sell the shop? Uh, he was, he was, well, he had two heart attacks. Uh, guy was stressed out, um, you know, couldn't keep technicians, uh, okay. you know, uh, just all the normal problems most shop owners have. Okay, and, and, and why, why do you think um, he couldn't keep technicians? Well, we know why. Uh, he'd never made enough money uh, to be able to pay guys, you know, and keep quality technicians. And uh, it wasn't for lack of work. There was plenty of cars, uh, but they never had a formal inspection process. Um, his average repair order was in the 300s. Um, you know, it just created a lot of stress for himself. Okay. And uh, I'll get back to, the, to those questions with you. Um, and we have BJ Lee. BJ Lee, uh, BJ and I met um, 
about a thousand years ago. Uh, BJ <laughs> is my uh, my counterpart. Uh, BJ knows uh, pretty much everything I know. I think we taught each other uh, some things. He learned from me. Some I learned from him. Um, uh, and um, but he's the nicer one. I'm the I'm the mean one. So I don't, I don't um, know. I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm getting meaner. <laughs> you get meaner as you get older. <laughs> well, I used to be mean. I'm not, I went nice, and I think I'm going to go mean again. I, I don't know. It, I don't it know. works. It works. It, it works better. <laughs> you got to find that balance, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go back to this idea of um, average repair order and, and, and having the best average repair order that we can have. I think there are going to be some people that might watch this or might criticize uh, uh, this episode in saying that, you know, we're just trying to sell people stuff uh, on their cars. Um, um, is that what we're trying to do, or is it something more or different, or is it uh, is it even moral um, to just you know to sell the customer two thousand dollars worth of work on their car? BJ, um, I, I I just you know the inspection process, you know that's. Um, it's vital to the vehicle longevity and the low, lowest overall cost over a period of time. Uh, it makes sense to do that. And I think uh, we have a responsibility to do these inspections uh, for the sake of the customer to make sure they're, they're protecting their investment, right, and getting the longevity out of it. Um, and I think that the money and the average repair order is just a byproduct of that. I think if we're doing good inspections, naturally the average repair order is going to come up. Uh, so it's not that you're fabricating any work. We're only going to present what the car really needs. Um, and, and and so that's a byproduct of that. Um, you know, whether, whether they can afford it or not, that's really up to the customer to decide. Uh, but then on a sales side of it, we want to present them some sort of financial options, uh, you know, Synchrony, Napa card or something like that if we can uh, in some form help them with the financial aspect of that. Um, but it's best, uh, and even the statistics show that uh, letting maintenance go uh, definitely is a, at a detriment to the vehicle and the, and the, and the life of it for sure. Um, so I, I just look at it as a, as a moral moral thing as an obligation as professionals uh, to present that to them, whether they can afford it or not. And I just look at the average repair order and the dollars coming in as a byproduct of that. You know, I'd like to add something to that if I could. Go for it. Uh, you know, people, you know, I, I've heard other shop owners say, you know, is it right to sell somebody, you know, two or $3,000 worth of work? And, uh, you know, if you think about the overall cost of owning a car, um, if they come into my shop and they've got two or three thousand dollars worth of work that needs to be done on their car in order to in order to make sure that they don't break down, uh, they're not going to get stuck on the side of the road. Their daughter's safe when you know traveling back and forth from school, whatever the case may be. How often is it that they're going to be putting that kind of money into the car? You know, it's it's just unfortunate that they've been either not being taken care of properly because if they were, they wouldn't be in a position where they needed two or three thousand dollars worth of work on their car. At one time, at least that's from my perspective. Well, you know, the, 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 I always say the interesting thing is cars break, mm -hmm. and thank goodness because otherwise I, I wouldn't have a job, <laughs> right? Um, I don't dictate what uh, – I guess in a way I dictate what the car needs because I'm supposed to be the guy that's, that knows that. I'm supposed to be the guy that tells my customer, hey, Mr. Customer, you know, your car needs this this because of this, Um you know, your brake fluid needs to be flushed because it failed the test. Frankly, it's got too much water in it, and that's going to cause damage to the system. 
Um, and, uh, you know, you can approach it uh, a, a lot of different ways. But if, if the brake fluid has more than 2% moisture, I'm going to sell my client a, 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 a brake flush. Or I'm going to do my best to sell my client a brake flush. Um, is there a moral obligation uh, to us to sell the customer, you know, what they, what they need? Is, is that a moral obligation? I think if I hold back um, on that customer and I don't tell them everything they need. Um, I had an interesting conversation recently with a guy that had um, uh, with a shop owner who uh, decided not to tell the customer about certain things that the car needed because then the customer would say, you know, this is too expensive and I don't, um, I don't think that uh, uh, my customer can afford it and so they'll probably get rid of the car. So I'm gonna hold back on that. Um, Scott, is, do I have a moral obligation to inspect that car and do I have a moral obligation to my client to tell them and try to sell them the things that they need? Yeah, absolutely do. And when I relate and tried to, um, when I worked on the average repair order and trying to get it up and getting it up in my shop, one of the things that I did was um, my wife's going to drive that car. If I take it to a different shop, are they going to tell me everything that it needs? And they better because I want my wife to be safe in that car. You do have a moral obligation and they brought it to your shop. You need to do your job, uh, inspect it properly, present the information to the customer. And then from that point, um, you know, my conscience is clear at that point. Um, it's up to the customer to decide what they want to do with it. And uh, however your sales team can tactfully uh, present it to the customer. Let me push it one. Let me push it one step further. Um, do I? I mean, there, there's a different. There's different ways that I could present this, and and I've seen it. I've seen uh, shops that the, the service advisor says, "Hey, uh, you know, your brakes need to. Your brake fluid needs to be flushed," and and that's all there is to it. And I've seen other shops that are more adamant about the fact that the brake needs to be flushed. I mean, they're almost emotionally involved in this really needs to be done to your car in order to keep your car in in top shape do i do, do i have a, a a moral obligation to be passionate about this or is it really just hey um uh you might need this um i see patrick smiling uh uh from ear to ear here uh, patrick what do you think about that uh, well i think i think uh you know there's there's really two types of people out there. There's, there's the order takers and then there's the people who are passionate about what they do. And uh, I feel passionate about uh, instructing my customers and educating them uh, as to what can happen. Uh, I don't ever shove anything down anybody's throat, but I, I do feel a moral obligation to educate them as to, because I'm the professional, right? I'm the one with all the years of experience working on cars and around cars. Uh, it's my obligation to educate them, uh, to show them uh, what can happen what, and what will happen uh, if they don't take care of the car. And uh, it's, it's never, it never costs them less if they don't fix the car now. It always costs more. So I, I, would, I would say that doing a good inspection on my customer's car and passionately selling them the work that they need in the long run will actually save the customer money. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously we have uh, people here that have drank the Kool-Aid. How do we convince um, <laughs> what, what, we can, what, what about nothing other than saving lives? Uh, you know, that, that's definitely a moral issue there uh, by not presenting things to them. We just had, uh, what was it, not too long ago, a few months ago, somebody prosecuted, a technician prosecuted for doing shoddy inspections. Yeah. Uh, people are getting hurt. People are getting killed. I just read an article uh, the other day about uh, the, the amount of uh, accidents that are caused by maintenance that has not been done to vehicles, somewhere to something like $2 billion a year. In, in deferred maintenance that doesn't get done that causes these issues and accidents on the road, you know? That's an, interest, that's an interesting point. That's something I have never, it's never been on my radar. Um, right. For me, I feel like I have a job and my job is a very serious job and my job is to take care of that car and to be the professional. Um, I, I tell this story about my doctor. Uh, I went in um, at the age of 50 and, I, and the doctor said, have you had a colonoscopy yet? And I said, no, and I don't want one, frankly. Um, and, uh, and he said, well, you know, you're 50 now and you need to have a colonoscopy. And I said, no, and I didn't have it. And, and at 52, uh, you know, he said, uh, hey, Cecil, you, you need that. Every time I see him every six months, hey, you need that colonoscopy. You got to have that thing. Uh, you know, you could uh, have colon cancer. We could prevent that, blah, blah, blah. It's an ugly way to go. And uh, finally about two years ago. So, uh, I don't, I won't say when that was, I'm, I'm getting older and older. Long time um, ago. He said, he said to me really in, <laughs> in my office visit, he sat me down he said, Cecil, if you don't go have a colonoscopy, I don't want to be your doctor anymore. You need to find somebody else, uh, uh, to, to, to be your doctor. And, and, um, you know, talk about commitment. Uh, here's a guy that's willing to lose a client, a good client that comes in every six months and pays him. Yeah. Uh, doesn't argue with him other than the colonoscopy thing. Um, and uh, because he believes that that, that saves lives and that, that prevents uh, uh, families and, and individuals uh, uh, lots of pain and, and lots of unnecessary expense. Um, is taking care of the car that serious or, yep. or not? I mean, should I be like my doctor and be that serious about taking care of the customer's car? Okay. Yeah, so absolutely. let me, let me go. I'm, I'm going to go sideways here just a little, like I normally do. <laughs> How the heck do we convince, you know, we have shop owners now. I, I go in shops and I talk to shops and they're like, well, you know, the first time through, um, I don't really want to inspect the car because I don't know the customer that well. And if I present them a, a lot of work, they're going to, maybe they won't like me and, and maybe they'll, they'll go somewhere else the next time, or maybe they'll go online and say, you know, I went in and they found all this work on my car and uh, they're not good guys or, or whatever that is. Um, is that an honest way in your opinion? And that's all we can do here uh, of doing business by, by not really looking at the car the first time through. Patrick, this is something I think that you're definitely uh, in the middle of right at the moment, uh, taking over a shop that had that was not doing the inspection. So how are you uh, dealing with that today? Well, it's you know I've had I've had a couple people uh, when they brought their car in and I told them you know it needs X, Y, and Z, um, uh, say that the last owner never told them about that. And uh, so I have to go on and explain uh, we do things different. And the reason we do it is uh, we want to make sure that your car is not going to break down. 
whereas uh, he constantly had cars towed in here, I rarely have cars towed in here. Um, we try to be proactive. Uh, we've also implemented a digital inspection process so that there's some transparency in what we're doing. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love digital inspection so much is uh, it, it does two things. It holds the technicians accountable, holds the service advisor accountable, and it puts it really right squarely in the customer's lap. Hey, this is what's going on. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't take away from the need to explain to our customers and educate our customers. Uh, that's, that's really where a lot, I've, at least I found in my experience in the shops that I've run uh, where things have lacked, uh, the customers have not been educated in a way so that they understand why it's important that we, that we repair these things and we stay on top of these things. Uh, something as simple as an oil leak uh, uh, can, you know, damage multiple components in the car. You got oil leaking from a valve cover dripping on a, an axle and your axle boots torn. Now, now you're wiping out an axle. It's just one thing leads to another with these cars. And, you know, it's not, it's not our job uh, to uh, hide things from clients. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I get in here one time and one time only uh, they don't necessarily have to like what I'm telling them, um, but I try to do my best to be kind about it and explain to them so that they understand that uh, I, I, I want them to understand what's going on with their car. I had a gal the other day come in uh, who's a longtime client and, and said, uh, you know, it's an old car. Don't look at it. Hmm. And I told her, I'm, I'm going to look at it. You know, what you do about it is completely up to you, uh, but I'm going to look at it. Uh, that's my job. And, uh, you know, if, if people have a choice, if they don't like what I'm selling, they, they can go to other shops who will tell them what they want to hear. Uh, but I don't think the people that are doing that are doing, doing people out there any kind of service. I think if you look at the, <coughs> excuse me, I think if you look at the, the data about, you know, the billions of dollars worth of work that's not being done, and the fact that accidents are being caused by that. Um, I think if you look at the typical customer that comes into the typical shop, uh, is unaware of their car, may not even know how to check the oil in it. Um, and uh, when that light comes on, they're either paranoid, um, meaning, oh my gosh, the light's on, the, the thing's gonna blow up, I gotta get into my shop tomorrow, or they're, they're unaware. Uh, my wife, uh, the light comes on. She thinks uh, that's uh, a countdown. She's got 60 days till the car explodes or something. <laughs> um, I, I think you have the, those mainly those types of people, and uh, and I think that my job is to make sure the light never comes on or comes on as few a times as possible. I also wonder if you come in the first time to my shop and we don't find anything on your hundred thousand mile car. Um, but we change your oil and we treat you nice and we smile and it's a, you know, it's a $60 bill or whatever it is today to do a, an oil, a quote unquote oil change. Um, and then the next time you come in, you need $4,000 worth of work. I think now I've established uh, a, a problem for myself. Um, Scott, what do you think about that? Well, uh, it, it shows that you're inconsistent for the first, the first thing. And were you really honest with them the first time that they came in? Um, right. I could see a four thousand 
dollar repair the next time a customer comes in if they had a catastrophic failure on something. But when you all of a sudden uh, they come in for an oil change, you say, oh, everything looks great. You send them on their way. Next time they come in in six months or four months, uh, this is $4,000. Well, you got this oil leak, you got this. And, and the customer's going to be saying to themselves, well, how did this just happen? Um, I, I think you, you, you created a huge credibility issue for your shop and yourself. I, to me, I, I, it's, yeah, go ahead, BJ. I, I just see it as, a, you know, when we're doing these inspections, um, uh, one is we need to document everything, right? Then we need to prioritize those things uh, for the customer, right? And we need to present it to them. Uh, and, and anything they buy, that's great. Anything they don't buy, we need to make sure that we document that, keep it in, in, the, in the history and so forth. So uh, one, if uh, they come back a week later and say, hey, how come I wasn't told about this? Well, at least you have your documentation that you did and obviously there's going to be things that pop up no matter what you do no matter how good of an inspection you do things happen you know what i mean but i think we have to do our best to document it the best we can and uh to cover our butts uh, later on down the road i think if i've done a, a a really good job um and I, i've been honest and and fair with the customer I, I, no matter what happens i feel good about myself and what we did that we did our job um, there's a lot of fear uh, in this industry, I think. There's fear that if I do something, uh, if I find a lot of work and I tell the customer about that work, that um, I'm going to have customers not like me. I'm going to have people not like me, and I'm afraid of that. Um, I think uh, uh, if I'm doing a lot of uh, heavy-duty inspections and, uh, and, and um, uh, again, my average repair is too high, I'm afraid of that. Uh, I don't want to get a reputation of being the place where you spend money. Um, you know, th th there's just so much fear. How do we help shop owners overcome uh, that fear, right? And, 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 and do their job uh, the way the job needs to be done. Uh, and I think it's techs too. I think techs also are like, well, you know, yeah, it kind of needs that, but, you know, I don't really want to talk about it because the customer may not be happy with it. How do we overcome that? How do we... How do we help the industry figure that out? Um, uh, hey, Cecil? Yeah. I want to I respond in, in a way that, and I know this isn't about digital uh, inspections, but I want to go back to what Patrick was saying. And I'd like to say that if you have a first-time customer in your shop, it is your responsibility as part of the sales staff or whoever's writing the customer up to go through the process of what you're going to be doing with their car and how you're going to be looking it over and creating this digital inspection that you're going to give them a copy of with pictures and proof that i think creates a lot of credibility for you and on down the road is going to save you a lot of heartache for if this four thousand dollar repair comes in and you don't tell a customer when they first come in there's an idea in the industry though that that um it's better to do a little and and start that, that relationship with the customer than it is to go after the big apple um and and to me i want to set the baseline from the beginning if you come to me i pretty much am sure that whoever you've been going to has not really looked your car over not like we're going to and and then we're gonna we're gonna go over the car and we're gonna be talking to you about your car now the customer always gets to make the choice but I'm the one that's supposed to be telling you, I, I liken it to my doctor again. You know, I go into my doctor and, you know, last time I was in, he saw a little uh, spot on my face and it's the third time that I've had it. And he said, wow, that thing's back. And he says, um, you know, uh, Cecil, we need to burn that off today. 
And if it comes back again, we're going to have to go in and do a biopsy. That, that, that's what he said. He didn't ask permission to burn it off. Literally, as he's grabbing the nitrogen and, and, and putting it on my face, he's telling me he's got to burn it off. Now, he charged me, I don't know, $79 or $129 or something to burn it off. Um, but he didn't ask my permission. He literally is telling me what I need to do. Um, if I'm the doctor and I decide not to pay attention to that spot on, the, on, on, on my face or someone else's because I'm afraid they won't like me or I'm afraid that uh, it might be costly and they can't afford to fix it, um, what kind of a doctor am I? Uh, that's how I always think about it. And, and, and well, we are, well, we are going to get permission. What's that? We well, are we, gonna get permission. <laughs> we, we have to, right? I mean, that, that's part of it. We have to get permission. We can't just, you know, I can't just go fix the car without asking. And that's not what I'm saying. But no, what I'm saying is that, you know, the doctor has this moral obligation to, to tell me about things that he might see. That's, that's his job. And if he doesn't do it, what kind of a guy is he? You know, is that a doctor that I wanna be going to? Um, in my opinion, the, the answer is no. So I think, go ahead, Patrick. I, I think I think it really starts with uh, uh, you know the shop culture. You know who are we as a shop? You know what kind of shop are we going to be? And uh, <clears throat> once you once you you know whoever the owner is, uh, you know service manager, uh, whoever it is that's setting the tone for the shop, the leadership of the shop, you know uh, it it becomes a part of who we are. It's just what we do. Um, if, if what we do is look the other way, then that's what the technicians are going to do. Um, you know, good leadership is going to, uh, have the moral compass for the business. And, uh, you know, here in my shop, uh, we have weekly meetings on, uh, doing, doing a quality job, being honest, uh, doing things with integrity, uh, taking accountability for our actions. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I talk. I talk, not only talk it, but I walk it in, in the shop, you know, and everything we do in the, in the way we treat our customers, you know. Um, I think it's important uh, that the shop owners uh, are the moral barometer for, for the business. Um, you know, if, if you're allowing your technicians and your service advisors to look the other way or, or they're afraid of the customers, you're in the wrong business. Uh, I think you're you're absolutely correct. You know, uh, if you take your job seriously and you are the doctor, because that's what we are. Um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna take it seriously enough to to have those hard conversations with your customers and and have the hard conversations with your employees uh, to make sure that they're doing what's right. Uh, but the leader, it all starts with the leadership of the business. You know. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop us just for a second. I'm gonna do a shout out uh, to Patrick McHugh uh, Bimmer Rescue in uh, Virginia. Uh, Patrick has had some amazing uh, results. When I met Patrick, his productivity was in the probably uh, uh, just less than 80%. Uh, um, they recently uh, are kicking it up to 120%, and his technicians actually came to him and asked them how they could earn 100 grand a year. And, and he created the plan and showed them how to do it, and now they're on target. I, I think, uh, I think wow. we should uh, you know, give him a, a thumbs up um, because he's really, um, he's really made a difference there in, in, his, in his business. And uh, 
uh, I'll bet that some of that is um, uh, improving their inspection process and, uh, and increasing their average repair order. Um, in fact, I know it is because I know Patrick uh, really well. Um, uh, so um, now uh, uh, let's, um, let's make a, a small shift here, I guess, back in. Um, all right, so average repair order is important to my business financially. Uh, and it, it can be a barometer of what I'm do, whether or not I'm doing inspections correctly. Uh, you know, we, we talk about this number of opportunity. What did my technicians find uh, on the average vehicle? Uh, and, and, and by the way, for those of you that are listening that are naysayers, um, we're talking about the average vehicle, not just every vehicle. Uh, I'm not asking my technicians to find $2,000 on every car that walks through the door. I'm asking my technicians to find you know, uh, what the car needs. And that just happens to be $2,000 on the average car. So one car comes in, it needs nothing. Another car comes in, it needs six grand. Um, it's just whatever it is, that's the job, uh, that we have to do. So, um, uh, uh, digital vehicle inspections are a plus, uh, and we understand that at least we believe that, um, there are some great, uh, DVI systems out there today and there are more, uh, coming. This is something I've seen maybe over the last three years, really, uh, start to take hold. And I think now probably 50 or 60% of my shops are using some sort of a, a di digital vehicle inspection. Let's talk about that for just a moment. What does the digital vehicle inspection add um, uh, that makes the average operator go up? Um, is, I, it, is it because it's a, a process um, or is there something more to it than that? BJ, go ahead. I, I think uh, both of those things. Um, I think it helps to support our findings and to validate it to the client. Um, it makes it more believable. So, you know, back in the day when we didn't have the uh, vehicle inspect, the digital inspections, we would call somebody up and say, hey, you know, your remain seals leaking, it needs this, that, or I'm just using that as an example, right? Well, they may or may not believe you. They don't know you yet. You're trying to build right. this rapport and, and stuff with them. So at least now uh, you can say, here, I sent you a report. Here's a picture of your rear main seal. You can see it's obviously leaking real bad and needs to be, you know, and it's like, oh my God, it helps to validate and support what you're, what you're presenting to them. So I, so I think it's an invaluable tool. Uh, a few years back before we had DVIs, I used my cell phone and I would take pictures and I would just send text it to the customer and show them uh, whenever I needed to do that. And it, I think it was the best thing since sliced bread. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, it's but, but it costs like 300 bucks a month to have a digital vehicle inspection and it's going to take more time. And then I got to buy um, uh, 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 something Tablets. so that my people can use it. Um, geez, it's going to cost me a couple of grand by the time it's done. And now my inspection, instead of taking 10 minutes, is now taking 20, 25 minutes. How do I pay for that inspection? Uh, because in most cases, I'm, I'm paying my technician a few tenths, but I'm not really charging the customer. How, oh, wait a minute. You guys are asking me to spend a bunch of money on something that, you know, um, that, that um, maybe it won't work. Um, well, it's no uh, big deal. Just don't take your fourth vacation this year and go and get us <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yes. had one yet. Sure. I haven't had one vacation yet. Don't, don't, uh, um, and I know I'm being a little sarcastic, yeah. but I'm yeah. not. I hear these things uh, out there all, all the time. But cost of doing business, you know, you've got to charge, you know, to 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 be able to have the right equipment in your shop, right, and the right equipment for your technician. And the more they do it, the quicker they're going to get at it. Uh, they're going to be more efficient and stuff. It's just one of the things that has to be done. It's like having liability insurance; you have to have it. Right. 
Um, it's just something you got to have if you're going to do an efficient job and, and you want to give your, your customer the best opportunity to understand and believe what you're saying because by you telling them and showing them, it, it's, it, it's, it's double secure as far as I'm concerned for them. Um, uh, Scott, uh, uh, t uh, tell me why I should spend this money and take more time to do a, a digital inspection. You know, um, what, why, why should I do this? It's the right thing for your customer. Um, you can you can fit the inspection to and work with your technicians on what you want to have on your list for inspecting and in the order that you want it. it it's a quicker way to inspect. It gives the customer more information. They have uh, they can have videos or photos of what you're seeing, um, and it, it's just. Um, it, it's a more professionally looking um, document that you will present the customer. Um, again, I go back to the credibility thing. It's it's it. That's everything in this in this industry. It seems like uh, uh, we've kind of uh, shifted. This is interesting uh, into you, you really ought to do the best um, inspection that you can do on the on the vehicle as a, as opposed to. You know, average period is important and inspections are important. Um, hey, Cecil. Go ahead, Scott, and then we'll get BJ. We just, did, we just did a shop evaluation in Washington. And when I did the interview for the technician, he showed me a sheet and it had six items that they were going to do inspections on. And the technician was complaining that this is our inspection sheet. Later in the office, you and I were sitting in there and I looked down at the floor and what they were using for a doorstop were um, carbon copied 25 point vehicle inspection sheets that were covered in a quarter inch of dust. Um, so you, you need to, it's the shop owner's responsibility to implement and, and make sure that these items and that this is uh, being done correctly for the customer. Uh, it, was, it was, we saw it, both of us, the box and of inspection sheets that were holding the door open. And, uh, and, and, and and while we were there, there were three cars that, that came in and out of the shop um, that had over 110,000 miles on them. Yeah. It had nothing wrong with them but what they came to the shop for. That is correct. Um, uh, so now let's assume that uh, a car with 110,000 miles probably needs three or four items that they didn't come in for. So, uh, you know, it came in because the air condition, the fan was, the blower fan wasn't working. Um, but it's got 110,000 miles. If I inspect that car with 110,000 miles on it and I find three or four items, now we, we have the opportunity to sell the person, uh, you know, $1,400, $1,500 worth of work, okay? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I'm in business to make money and that's how I make money by selling people work. Now, it's also legitimate work because that's what the car really needs. And it's work that if the customer does it, will keep the car on the road longer. It will increase value uh, to the car. And the, and the only bad thing about it is that the customer may have to come up with some money, right, that they may or may not have. Now, let's assume, so let's go back to that same shop and let's not look at those other things. And I was just in your shop and a week later, now my water pump starts leaking or now my uh, rear brakes start making noise or, or something else after I was just at your shop. It, what's good about that? Right? Is there anything positive about that except the customer didn't spend that money yet? Um, in my opinion, uh, it, to me, that's just, it, it makes me insane. Um, I, I am so 
uh, uh, tired of seeing shops that don't do uh, good inspections, or maybe they inspect the car, but they don't tell the customer about the stuff because they're afraid of the customer. Um, what if we all in this industry uh, tomorrow decided to do a great inspection and really tell our customers about everything they really needed no matter what, and, and let the chips fall where they may, right? Uh, Patrick, you, you took over a shop where the average operator was under 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now six something, right? Or 580 or whatever it is. More than right? that, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's much higher now than it was, maybe more than double what it was. Right. What has been the fallout? How many people don't like you? How many, how many bad Google reviews have you gotten for inspecting people's cars? Um, uh, how much more are your technicians being paid today than they were being paid under the old owner? The technicians are making about 20 or 30% more. Um, nobody, nobody's complaining. As a matter of fact, I've actually had a couple customers um, actually say they were glad that I've taken over. They really like the changes that we've made. Um, I've had maybe one or two people just absolutely not like the change. That's just human nature. People don't like change. Uh, but for the most part, I would say 99% of the people uh, love what we've done. Uh, they appreciate uh, the inspection. Uh, you know, again, we don't shove anything down anybody's throat. Our job is to let them know so they can make an educated decision. Uh, once I've done my job and inform them as to what can happen if they don't repair it, um, obviously maintenance uh, is maintenance. You know, these are things that are going to help add longevity to your car. Uh, they don't have to be done today, especially when I got $2,000 worth of repair work that needs to be done. That's, that's the last thing I try to sell them. Um, you know, I want to make sure that the car is not going to break down on them, that their daughter's going to be safe going off to school. Uh, you know, nobody's complained. Everybody, everybody loves it. They love the digital inspections. They love the text messaging. Uh, they love everything about it. Okay. We have a, we have a great conversation offline between Bruce Oliver and, and uh, uh, Tatsu Bruce has brought up some, some points that we actually brought up in here. I think he asked the questions before we answered them, but we answered them. Um, if you are online and you are watching and you have a question, uh, we are paying attention to that. So uh, please ask that question. We'd love to answer whatever your, your questions are. And I'm pretty sure there's probably some what I would call naysayers online that are, um, you know, thinking uh, maybe this isn't. Uh, uh, you know, oh my gosh, then your average period is going to be $700. And every time a customer comes in, and I've heard this, so maybe this is the question. Um, and BJ, I'm going to have you answer this first. Uh, but every time my customer comes in, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to have to spend seven or $800. Um, oh my gosh, they're going to end up hating me. Well, you know, the, the real thing about it is this is averages. This is not every car is going to come in spend 700. That's statistically saying on your you know, your overall sales, and this is what the average is. Uh, what about the customers that come in and spend, you know, $50, right? Um, I don't think you know, I had I, any of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I want to talk about that in relation to that also is um, <coughs> talking about uh, the, the moral compass and different things. And I also was talking uh, yesterday with a client about uh, uh, opportunity because we've talked about that. All this stuff goes together, right? Um, so, a, you know, if we have 100 shops out there and we know that throughout these 100 shops, the average might be uh, for a general repair $1,100 worth of average opportunity that we find. So if we have a shop that's finding, you know, 2000 on average on a general repair, 
Is that vehicle being over-inspected? Are we pushing things that shouldn't really be sold? So being morally obligated shop owner, uh, you know, we should be auditing these inspections to be sure that we're not selling things that the car doesn't need, right? Um, because I don't think we should have that much of a sway um, in the opportunity. I, th I think it's, uh, you know, because what happens, you guys will say, well, you know, my opportunity is really up here, but my conversion rate is really low, you know, because they're trying to sell things a car doesn't need. So there's that fine line there. We need to make sure that we're finding everything that the car definitely does need, and we need to present that, right? Um, there's no need to push anything the car doesn't need, right? There's no there's need to fabricate any work. We are morally obligated to do the right thing. Interestingly enough, in, in our shop, the last shop I ran, um, our average customer spent, uh, I think our average period was $768, and we saw that customer just a little less than twice a year. So our average customer spent about $1,100 a year on their car between repairs and maintenance. And um, the statistic at the time was that the average person in the United States was spending just under 1200 So even though our labor rate was a lot higher than other shops, our customers actually spent less money overall on their car. And I believe that was because we maintained it. We did the coolant flushes, so we didn't need as many water pumps and, and uh, as many heater cores. And, and we did the, the brake flush, so we didn't need as many calipers or ABS control units. And uh, we serviced the transmission, uh, frankly, so we didn't need as many transmissions. Uh, um, and, and I think that, you know, by, by telling the customer everything on the car and selling everything on the car and being passionate about that and, uh, and legitimately passionate about it, that we're actually helping our customers out. And I think if we don't, then to me, that's morally, I'm, I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing. Um, right. and, uh, you know, I think every shop owner uh, has to has to make their own judgment here. I want to make a shift. We got, uh, you know, we're we're a little more than two thirds of the way through. Um, so now I, I want to have a really good in, in inspection process. How do I create? Um, now the DVI will help me, I think, uh, because it is a process. I'm not sure I like necessarily some of the structure. I think we need to structure it better, um, uh, more like how we would go through the car. I'm not sure I like on the DVI how the, the work gets to the service advisor has to be reordered in the right order in order to sell it. But uh, SANS DVI, if I, uh, whether I have a DVI or not, how do I get my technicians to do uh, a good inspection on the car? Because I think that's the next uh, problem that I might have. Maybe I'm sitting here watching this and deciding, hey, I really need to have a good inspection. I wanna get my average repair order up. It's best for my business, best for my customers. Um, but, 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 Guys, I don't know how to do that. How do I get my uh, technicians to do a good inspection on the car? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with um, Patrick um, on this. Patrick, how, how can I make that happen? Well, it starts with uh, training your guys. You know, um, <clears throat> again, everything starts from the top. You know, whatever, whatever your shop, you know, does – uh, your technicians are going to do whatever whatever you believe uh, your technicians are going to believe if you believe I've been in shops where they don't believe in maintenance they think it's garbage uh, and uh, the technicians that's what the technicians believe uh, that's what the service advisor believes um, I just got a little no, sick to uh, my stomach thinking about that um, just a little there's, so <laughs> there's people out there like that um, you know they think it's they think it's garbage and uh, you know 
uh, I, I'm a firm believer that the people who manufacture cars are not our friends. Uh, they they set the standards for maintenance schedules. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily believe uh, in their maintenance schedules. I, I have I have a philosophy that I use in my shop. Uh, I believe oil changes should not be 10,000 miles, uh, whether synthetic or synthetic blend or conventional or whatever is uh, the flavor of the month for the oil. Um, you know, oils are getting better, uh, granted, uh, but back to the point, uh, you know, it, it all comes down to training. Uh, you know, if, if you're a shop owner that doesn't have uh, the wherewithal, the training to uh, believe in it, get, get some help. Uh, get your guys trained on how to inspect cars properly. Uh, get an inspection sheet. Um, uh, the Institute has a fantastic inspection sheet. I've taken that inspection sheet and digitized it for uh, my purposes. And, uh, you know, every shop that I've either managed or ran, uh, we've always had uh, an over $650 average repair order because of it. Uh, we're not selling anything that doesn't need to be done, but we're looking at and finding these things that need to be done. And that's really the key. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, Scott, um, how do I, my technicians don't want to do the inspection. Uh, they never have in the past. Uh, we haven't had a process. Um, they really don't want to do it. How, 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 do I, how do I shift their mentality? How, I ma how do I make them do it without um, uh, uh, making them so angry that they quit and go work for somebody else. Cause I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that if I try to force them to do something that it's going to bite, it's going to bite me and I need these guys. So how do I make that happen? Well, what I did in my weekly shop meetings and it was always around lunchtime was, is that if I had an idea in my shop that I wanted to implement or get some information from is that I would bring it up at that meeting and I would ask for the input from all the other employees. Of course I would present the good points and, the bad points if we don't do it about the inspections. But one of the things I did was it, I had, when I wrote the policy up, I involved all the employees of the shop, especially uh, obviously the technicians. And then I had a vehicle out in the shop waiting. It was probably the next week that I did it um, where the, I had each employee inspect the vehicle, um, the same vehicle. And then we brought in the inspection sheets and to create the consistency of it, we went over it all together at the end. Um, it, and that was what I said, you know, this is what my expectations are. This is what you guys, your expectations are. And uh, cause I'd had to have a, a suspension guy in there that wouldn't find oil leaks or I'd have a, you know, a diagnostic tech that wouldn't look at the brakes. Um, it, it was very important to create the consistency that where it, it, no matter what tech that you put on that job, um, it was getting inspected the same way as if another tech was, was doing it. So shop buy-in, include them, include them in, in, in the decisions and, and how the uh, inspection sheets are created. I think I, I'm going to add a couple of pieces to that. I think, um, um, first of all, create the culture of taking care of the car so that it, it almost becomes like they have to. Um, that's who we are. We're that doctor that, that makes sure that the patient has the colonoscopy. Um, uh, 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 number two, put the system and process in place and train and train and train and train. And if they won't yeah. do it, then maybe they're not the right employee for you. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think also, you know, there's this fight, there seems to be this fight, this battle between the front and the back, 
um, on paperwork and, and uh, you know, the, the tech doing things the way that is good for the service advisor. Um, if, I, if I insist on it, so, so let's, let's go into a shop and, um, and we've got three employees that have been there for 15 years. They've never done an inspection really. Uh, it's a shop that just fixes broken stuff then they're not going to, they don't know what to do. They've never done it. Uh, they're not even going to like to do it. Um, uh, but let's fire everybody and hire three new people. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, but let's do that. And now when we, tr when the new people come in, they get trained on inspections and it's just expected. It, it is, that's what we do here at our shop. I guarantee you that the three new people are going to do inspections. So let's get our employees that have been here for 15 years to understand the value of doing the inspection and doing it right for the clients, for the shop, the business, and for themselves. And, yeah. and, and now let's get their buy-in and let's get them to say, yes, this, is, this makes sense to do. And then let's put a little additional pressure on that in that let's decide that that's what we're going to do. And let's not accept any behavior that doesn't fit that, right? I mean, if that's morally who we want to be, um, then we don't accept a behavior that doesn't fit that. I don't mean you got to fire somebody, but I mean that if they don't do a good inspection the first time, let's retrain them. And uh, if they don't do a good inspection the second time, let's retrain them. And let's not let them get away with doing a half-assed inspection uh, on the vehicle uh, uh, because it's not in the customer's best interest. It's not in the shop's best interest. Um, uh, I think you're right about that. The accountability, you know, it's yeah. so so easy for people to, you know, or or owners or managers to just say, well, you know, that's just the way it is. He won't do a real good inspection, you know, and they just let it go. Mm -hmm. uh, there's that moral compass again, right? We have yeah. to do this. This is what we do. It's leadership. Right? Leadership, right? Yeah. And there you go. The buy-in, right? Our culture, mm -hmm. um, that has to all be instilled and and reinforced forced over a period of time to get them educated and trained and bought into into the reason why we're doing that. Gary Olson says um, if they don't believe in inspections, uh, then they won't work for him. And I think it almost has to be that. It almost has to be, look, um, this is who we are, uh, almost in a, in a religious sense. And I use religion as that example because if you are religious, um, Christian, Muslim, whatever that is, you, you have a, a set of beliefs and you live your life by those beliefs, whatever they are. In, in the shop, I believe my job is to inspect cars. I believe it's in the best interest of the customer. I believe it's in the best interest of the business. I believe it's in the best interest of the employees. And if that's my belief, then that's what we're going to do. And I'm not well, going to accept... I want to throw in there also the best thing for the industry, right? To get rid of that right. negative uh, image that we have out there. We are we are changing the industry. I think just even having these discussions and talking about it, uh, you know, it's a win for for everybody and the industry as a whole. Yeah. So, um, all right, uh, we 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 touched a little bit on leadership, and and uh, we're coming to the end of this. We got we got another couple of minutes. Um, we're going to give you guys. Uh, kind of the last word. If inspections are important and if average repair order is important, um, um, uh, what's the question to ask? What, what it, what's your last thought on this? How, you know, what would you leave the rest of the industry with um, uh, as a comment um, uh, to, to end this, to wrap this thing up today? Uh, we'll start with, start with Scott. I, I think you have a moral responsibility 
to present all the information on the customer's vehicle that is that you see uh, or recognize. I mean, you you have to do it. it. It's just the right thing to do, and uh, that's 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 just how I feel about it. There's just okay. no way around it. Okay, thank you, Scott. BJ. Um, I just uh, wanted to throw in real quick um, a trend uh, out there, um, not necessarily to do with the inspection process, but I wanted to throw the trend in the industry trend uh, comment uh, just because I had it. It was interesting, something that I had read earlier. Uh, so it's just a quick paragraph I want to read. Um, uh, it's changing customers, right? Uh, an auto repair shop's next customer may be a former do-it-yourselfer who's finally stumped by increasingly complicated engine designs. Do-it-yourselfer. Selfers discover this firsthand, uh, discovering this firsthand or turning into do it for me customers, trusting experts to do the job right and fast the first time. This includes baby boomers, the youngest of which are now 50 years old. Auto care has also turned into a more complicated affair, even for a generation that grew up working on cars. What about the new generation, the millennials, born after 1980, are about 86 million adults and statistically uninterested in car repair? Why, with do-it-yourself on the decline, a new wave of people is turning to the independent professionals they want and trust. So I just want to throw that in. It was an interesting read um, and just to show you the trends out there. So um, there's going to be more and more of people out there that, uh, that we have to get this right on, and we have to educate them and to make sure that we're doing the right mm -hmm. thing for them. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Patrick, what, what's your last thoughts here? Well, I can't, uh, I can't tell you how many shops and technicians I, I've been around where, uh, you know, there's a constant battle from the front to the back. There's got to be, you know, clear, a, one clear voice in, in every business uh, guiding the business. Um, you know, if you're a shop owner uh, who has struggled with, uh, you know, employees and, you know, average repair order and all of these things, you know, uh, people get consumed with fear. Uh, you know, they say the longest journey starts with one step. You know, you, you start making steps in the right direction. Uh, you know, having a, a, a clear vision uh, for your company, uh, creating a culture of where everybody can win, uh, getting your staff to buy in. Uh, these are all things that we do to uh, change, uh, to morph our business, uh, to make it better. Uh, you know, don't let, don't let fear consume you. Uh, you're going to lose your guys. You're going to lose your employees. Uh, you're going to lose uh, customers. Uh, they're not going anywhere. Uh, you've created relationships with these people. Uh, you've created, you spent years building trust. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay to change with the times and, and, and do a better job. Uh, you know, it's never too late to change and, and to start doing a better job for people. My father, when I, when I left his, his shop, um, lowered his labor rate by 10 bucks an hour. We were 70, he went down to 60. Um, why did that happen? We didn't have complaints on price. Uh, it happened because my father didn't think he was worth $70 an hour. He couldn't imagine charging uh, $70 an hour. Uh, we had a guy down the street that worked at a gas station that we made fun of uh, routinely because three, four times a week he'd taken a car apart that he couldn't fix, and that car got towed over to us. So we were always making fun of this particular 
um, technician, you know, you know, why does he work on cars, period, blah, blah, blah. Um, about four or five months in, after I left the shop, I, I called my father and um, guess who was working for him in the shop? This guy that couldn't fix cars. And why was he working for him? Because dad didn't charge enough to pay other technicians that were better uh, in their business. I think if you're not charging enough and you're not, then, then you're not doing the right thing for your customer. Uh, because ultimately I need that good technician in my shop that can do a good job on their car, both in fixing it and frankly in understanding the car and maintaining the car. Um, Tatsu asked uh, a last question. I'm just going to make a, a comment and then we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. And he said, you know, how, how Tatsu's my, uh, my little brother, by the way, um, <laughs> um, the uh, guys that know Tatsu will, will laugh at that. Um, but he is in a way, um, how, how do I get that done? If, if you haven't done it, first of all, change your culture, change your thought process. Uh, if you need help, get help. Uh, I, I don't think any of our clients would ever complain about what we've helped them do or, or about the value of, of what we brought to the table. And that would include group members. There are lots of ways to do that. I'm not saying hire the Institute. If you don't, if you don't like my philosophy, if you don't like me or us, um, there are other good consultants. There are some people that I could recommend to you, but but they can help you make the shift. Um, but I don't. I, even if you don't hire somebody, you have to have the culture. You have to believe in taking care of the customer's car. And once you do that, and you get your staff to believe in it, the rest is pretty simple. It, it really is about getting the inspection sheets and creating the inspection or getting the DVI and, and just making sure that you're actually doing it and managing that process. So I think, Patrick, when you talk about, you know, culture and you talk about leadership, uh, I absolutely agree that that's the starting point for this. And I think part of it also is don't accept second best for your customers. Don't accept second best for yourselves and don't accept second best for your employees. Um, with that, we've, we've come to the end. Uh, thank you again from the Institute uh, for all of you that attended. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can reach us at uh, uh, um, theinstitute.com, uh, Cecil at theinstitute.com, BJ, uh, is it just BJ or BJ Lee? BJ, BJ Lee. BJ Lee at the Institute, Scott C at the Institute, Patrick H at the Institute. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and just hit us up with a question. We're, we're happy to answer uh, 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 your questions and, 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 and do what we can for you. Uh, again, thank you for attending, and we hope to see you in two weeks. Thank you, guys. All right, you're welcome. Have a great day. Next time on The Leading Edge, we're going to talk about implementing efficiencies in your business so that you're no longer a necessity for day-to-day -day operations. As always, The Leading Edge is every first and third Thursday of every month at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join the Institute Group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.